0: I know when I relapsed on alcohol, I learned a lot about what it does. Like, I literally have never had anxiety in my life. I woke up every single night with, like, panic attacks. Hmm. Um, My PCOS flared up. My estrogen was out the roof.
1: If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. All right. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show, episode number 296 of the Health Detective Podcast. And if you're looking at this today, maybe you're on the video side and you're thinking, wait, I recognize these two faces here. Wasn't she just on? That is absolutely correct. We wanted to bring her back for a part two um, because, you know, last time when we had Sam on, we dove into the story side of things because I don't think you had been on since what was it, like episode 17 or something. So we're like, let's, probably a fresh audience. I doubt the same people listening then are listening now. Um, I'd love to believe that, but it's it's probably changed. And so we wanted to get the story out. We had a great time with that. If you guys want to hear Sam's full story after I read her bio, please feel free to check that episode out afterwards. But today I'm going to read the bio and then we're going to jump right into the topic of the day. When we do a part two with someone, in case you guys haven't ever uh, seen us or heard us do a part two, typically it's more of an intensive. So it's pretty rare that we take the full 50 minutes. Uh, We might only be on for 30 minutes today just diving deep into the topic but please feel free to ask questions as we go along and we will answer them if we're able and if we don't know uh, we'll get you an answer so here's a little bit about sam before we get started i kind of i summarized your bio again just so people get the uh they get some picture of you here because you're a unique cat i love you samantha lander or sam for short has had quite the journey and continues to create more chapters in that journey she is a saint louis missouri based single mom recovering addict Prison survivor, personal trainer, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, DJ, and entrepreneur. She published Dream Big, Do Bigger, and is an international best selling author. Um, And Sam used functional diagnostic nutrition to heal herself from allergies, food sensitivities, heavy metals, mold, hormonal imbalances such as PCOS, mouth trauma and infections, and several parasites. She got sick and tired of being sick and tired. All the doctors said she was fine, but she followed her gut. And that's why we're going to be talking about alcohol's impact on the gut today. Uh, Sam, before we get started with that uh, specific topic, and we are still talking about this, I guess, even with this prefaced thing. I know that you and I wanted to share beforehand the social side of this, Because some people, even in the functional space, might not believe how harmful alcohol is because it's been so normalized. We're in the holiday season at the time of recording this. No matter what you celebrate, you're going to find yourself at some party or some family get-together in the Western world where alcohol will not only be served. It is the norm for anyone 21 or older or 18 or older if you have a really cool aunt or uncle that kind of sneaks it to you during the party, right? And so it's so normalized that we think, ah, well, it can't be that bad. And I think that's a bias that all of us have as humans, including myself. You think, oh, everyone's doing it. How bad could it be? Uh, but just because something is normalized socially does not mean it's healthy, right? So do, do you have anything to say kind of about how uh, this has become such a normal thing in society, yet it really shouldn't have ever become this way?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I had my 13 years sober, so and that was really easy, and I, I didn't have kids, and I, I wasn't really I, – I was married for part of it, so I just – I didn't, I wasn't getting the impact of like alcohol and, and society, like I wasn't a big drinker, like my thing was drugs. So I didn't really see the impact until after I had my kid. And when I was training all my clients and it was like, it was like almost required to have wine at like three or four after dealing with like stressed out kid, it's like the mommy wine culture. And so like, I'm on this mission now to help educate women and give them alternatives and help them understand that like not everything, even though all these like meetups all the meetups with like moms are all centered around wine. Like even if they go like, let's meet up and we'll go decorate wreaths, they're drinking. If you go, it's all like the wine hour, the wine this, 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 even like my networking entrepreneur stuff is based around happy hours. So I think that it's just become socially accepted and that we either feel forced into it. So like, oh, we got a drink to fit in, you know, with all the other moms and that we're gonna, it's gonna be like, we're, we're already trying to eat healthy And then we're already like, you know, I'm not going to say I almost said a bad word, but we're already like that, like high maintenance eater and then throw on like we don't drink. And then we're labeled as boring. You know, I just think that there's a lot of pressure to drink.
1: Yeah, I see this, too. I mean, we're almost trained to feel this way. And and the reason I say that is because I look at the college culture, and I know that's always been a big place for drinking. But uh, sometimes when I describe what you know, my friends experienced in college to, uh, you know, older age to a, par- a parent, they don't necessarily get the scale to which the alcohol and drugs are being abused in college now. So people are going for this four or five, six year party plan, more or less. And it's not only expected that you're going to drink. It's one thing to have a few drinks, have some fun. Oh, I, Listen, I got a little dizzy and I feel a little giddy and I'm still myself, though. I'm in control versus what's been normalized at the colleges is let's get blacked out two days a week minimum. And you're like, Whoa, Whoa. So what kind of habit is that creating for people? If they're doing that at 18, no wonder we have the 40 year old family members that are still kind of doing a moderate version of that, or sometimes not so moderate version of that at the family party. Uh, The only difference is they can hold it together better, but they've been doing the same thing for 20 freaking years. And then wonder why they got 10 different health conditions. Right. (laughs)
0: Yeah. 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 It wrecks havoc on everything. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's luckily, I feel like in some of the frat houses they've got and all that kind of stuff, they've maybe they've gotten a little, they've gotten in trouble enough and enough people are starting to die. And maybe there's a tent, some attention that's being directed towards that. Um, I was always a blackout drinker. So, um, and I just, I was just telling you like right before we got on here, like genetically, there's actually like a, a gene that makes you that way or not that way. Um, but, you know, I just think there isn't enough information out to get, raise the awareness that it's not okay yeah. because everybody wants to do it because it's it's a de-stressor it's a it's a release it's a way to escape reality yeah. and i think the even if you're not an alcoholic like the emotional component that's attached to just like eating a lot of sugar or anything like that um, you know it, we're all like looking for a way out because life is hard and we don't want to address the true stress that's going on in our life. And then we have all these health conditions. So like you're bloated all the time. You don't like, I work with a lot of women now and, you know, men, it, it also can cause estrogen dominance and all sorts of problems in men of drinking. But you know, I think with women, it's like, you feel like crap. So you want to escape that alone, but it's actually, it's like chasing the rabbit. You're it's, it's a definition of insanity, hitting your head against the wall expecting a different result. Well, every time you drink, it's going to cause more bloating and more problems. And But then it's pushed on you. It's just, it's sad. It almost like brings, like you were talking about it, it like brings tears to my eyes because it's what happened to me. And right. I almost died. You know, I was on death row right there when I relapsed.
1: Yeah. We have a bunch of comments here. I'll actually address them in just yeah, a moment. Um Uh, But I wanted to, because I always so, so respect your transparency. Um, It's something that I I try to be. I'm not sure if I'm fully there yet. But what you come on as in both in person, you do this in person and online. This is who I am. This is what's happened. Take it or leave it because I'm Sam. And I I really respect that. And what I find interesting because there's always been overlaps in our stories. You know, and we don't need to get into the specifics of this today, but technically speaking, when you look at the DSM 5, so the DSM 5 is how they diagnose different mental health stuff, addiction and substance abuse disorder are actually two different things. And so I learned uh, fairly recently in the past several years, I never actually met the definition for addiction. I 100% meet the definition of substance abuse disorder. And so I would do these things, Sam, because you brought up this whole idea of what stress are you hiding from? Like, why do you even feel the need to go do this? And this is such a core thing that we can get to later in the conversation. But I went for, I think it was a year and a half, just over or just under a year and a half of no substances whatsoever. So I had been doing stuff in high school. Then you get into the adult world and now you can legally do stuff. I wanted to prove to myself that I don't need this at all. So I go for a that, year. That's pl- a Red flag
0: right there. They yes, <laughs> so yes, are trying right. to like quit something. Right. Like, hello, everybody. Like, yep. I,
1: need well, to and quit I, I got humbled. it's usually it.
0: a sign that there's probably a problem.
1: Right. I got humbled with it because I'm like, the year actually was fairly easy. I'm like, oh, this wasn't bad at all. Then what happened though is I started, and this is not my current fiance, but I started dating someone at the time. And it had been a while since I was dating someone. So I wasn't nervous around her, but we had to go meet her friends and family members. And so I'm figuring, okay, cool. I don't want to explain. And this is, my gosh, you got to work on these things personally. I didn't want to explain why I'm not drinking or doing all that stuff. That's not how I wanted to introduce myself, which is why I said I respect you so much for what you do. So I go in thinking, okay, it's not going to be a big deal. I'll have, you know, one drink and just carry it around throughout the night. I don't get asked questions about that. And I can just talk about my normal life. I went from a year and a half, no drugs, no nothing. I don't even think caffeine other than the caffeine and chocolate. And in one night, I end up having 11 drinks over the course of that night. Now, nothing bad's happening in terms of anger or driving. I'm not saying something like that, but that is insane that my brain would even allow me to go from nothing to. That Of course, I felt like hell the next morning. I felt terrible. And then I can stop afterwards. So it's interesting because I'm like, what, this is a problem, but what problem is this? And that's when I realized, okay, this is something that meets the criteria for a substance abuse disorder, that intention to do less. And I'm doing way more than I intended to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cool. I mean it's it's one is too many, too many thousands never enough, right?
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, like well if this is good, ten more's gotta be better.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I know I can't have one. Like when I see people leave like just a little bit in the glass, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I know, like I won't, I will never leave anything. But I was literally trying to escape. I don't even like drinking. So um, like I would go to the mommy stuff and be fine. Like I wouldn't actually even drink, which is the interesting thing. But um yeah i mean it's it's most people aren't even watching you when they're out they're so focused on themselves is one takeaway i would say from that like if someone's worried about not drinking during the holidays and going like i will tell you right now that most people are paying zero attention to you they're so focused on themselves if anything they're going to pay attention more whether or not you're going to be eating the bad food that they're going to start eating and then they're going to feel guilt and go down that rabbit hole and they'll shame you for that probably before they shame you for not having a drink and i always say say you're on say you're on antibiotics say you're on a medication you can't drink with it say you know you're doing 75 hard like everybody's doing 75 hard like every my friends always like oh i gotta go walk for five you know and i'm like just say just say that like it's it's more mental in your head that and you gotta so like I will say after after my relapse, like the biggest thing that I knew, like I was doing my functional labs, like I was doing all my labs, especially labs, I was balancing my hormones. Like everything was being done on the like functional, like the FDN world. But I was not touching the mental and emotional part that I needed to deal with. And I kept getting, my labs kept coming back with something going on. My cortisol was never better. Like, and I just wasn't, and so 2023 this year, I was like, okay, I'm done. Like I I I got it. I got back in the program full fledged. I do service work to get out of myself to help others. And I went to a lot of therapy. And I started working on the mental and emotional part. And then I the desire to drink is slowly like and I'm an addict. Like I have a it's a disease. Like I will always it will come up and it's cunning and baffling. But for me, I do not feel like I need it in so many more. Like situations that i'm put into or if something goes awry with my ex and my co-parenting or my kid is very challenging i don't feel like i need to have that relief using alcohol i actually sit in it and it sucks and it hurts and you know you cry and whatever it is but i'm like i'm just gonna sit in it because if you sit in it it's always better in the end Hmm. um and you know as you know and alcohol will just wreck i mean it'll wreck your system um, even one drink, even if you're
1: not an alcoholic, you know. Awesome. Um, we got some comments here, and then we'll get into the health side. Uh, and thank you for people for just being transparent. Some of these aren't even questions. They're literally just sharing their stories. Um, I don't drink any alcohol for six years, and it's been amazing. Congratulations. Um, such a great topic. Thank you so much for having this discussion. You are very welcome. Uh, one year in uh, One year in for no alcohol for Paula, great. Some college kids don't ever drink water. They live on coffee, soda, and alcohol. Literally, literally. Like, literally, that's what's I think happening. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah, you were right. Um, what's crazy is being called a fun non drinker. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right.
0: the whole stigma. Like, everyone thinks that you're boring if you're, if you're like sober, which is funny because I, well, first of all, only boring people get bored, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that if you're, I mean, if you think about how people act when they're drinking as, like, adults and just, like, sloppy. There's a few people that can be, like, the fun drinker, but then it goes to a next level. And then, I mean, it's I guess it's your de- definition of fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um. One question that we'll get to specifically in just a second. I'm going to skip that. Lindsay said, hey, one of you has your phone alerts on. We can hear the ding over and yeah, over. I
0: turned mine on focus. Oh, okay.
1: I, wow, that's so funny. I didn't even register that. I Thank you, hear. Lindsay. Um, I quit alcohol almost two years ago. Best change of my life. Congrats. Um, All right, so uh, I don't... We're probably a little premature for this question, but I, I still want to uh, answer it while they're on. Uh, what about lower alcohol wines like dry farm wines? What do you think about that, Sam?
0: So I, I was not a wine drinker, so I, I'm very well versed in like what is going to be the cleanest thing you can eat or eat. I mean, drink. So I would always say like go for a vodka that's derived from potatoes or from grapes or like gin, but you got to watch the stuff that has gluten and corn. As far as the dry farms wine, I hear it's like really, really clean. Um, I think if you can find a wine that is like the sulfites are low sulfite and um, comes from organic grapes and all that good stuff. I think that's, that's your best bet. The low toxin alcohol is, is going to be where you want to go, but I am not like well-versed. Like for me, I'm one of those that I, typically try all the supplements and try all the things to be able to tell my clients, but obviously I'm not going to do that do that. Yeah. So, But I have clients that swear by it um, and that's all they can do. And they can't do other things, other practitioners.
1: Right. And I can comment on a little, right? Because we're, we're here today to talk about the health side. Obviously, Sam and I have personal stories with different substance stuff. But assuming then that your issue is not, oh, I'm going to do too much of it anyway. And you're actually asking just about the quality of it. Uh, one of the best quality stuff that I personally found, you want to find organic wines that actually have the USDA organic symbol. So I know sometimes that means nothing. In this case, it actually does. You'll notice um, on the back, that when it doesn't have the symbol, but it says like organic grapes, I'm sure that's still a step ahead most stuff, but they can add the sulfites in. When you have the USDA organic symbol, literally they have to take all this stuff out except the naturally occurring ones. And so I have found, uh, again, not recommending it necessarily if you have an issue with this stuff, but assuming that you can do it normally, I have found that that allowed me to, you know, have two glasses of wine and what would normally be a guaranteed headache, just even off the two glasses, next morning I could wake up Um, with almost no difference. So remember, this is a fine line because you don't want no difference the next morning if you're someone who's going to use that as an excuse to do it often. But um, I personally had found uh, a lot of benefit from the organic USDA symbol red wine. So with all that said, Sam, we got to talk about the actual health side of this because people think alcohol is happy juice. You drink this, it now hydrates me, tickles my brain, and I feel great. Um, and And the reality is it is a poison and the inherent reason that you're getting some of these positive effects is because of the parts of the brain that it's shutting down and causing not to work, and that's why if you drink enough, eventually the part that helps you with the oxygen and breathing side that stops working. So, what actually happens when we take a uh, sip of this happy juice, aka poison?
0: Oh, I mean, there's so many different things that happen. So, I mean, we're putting an overload on the system, 100. You're gonna get, you're gonna feel good for a little bit, right? When you have it, and all those great dopamine, serotonin, all the things that it does all the numbing effects that it has and, and it, you know, your inhibition goes down. However, it's gonna cause you to release cortisol, we know, right? So you're gonna get a stress response in the body when cortisol is then gonna, your body thinks it's stressed so it's gonna store fat. So you got that going for you. And then you think about, you know, you drink it and it can cause estrogen issues. Um, I see in a lot of my women who are heavy drinkers that they're, ester- they're super estrogen dominant and men. So, um, you know, aromatization can occur and causing men to get like the man boobs when they drink a lot um, because their their estrogen is going up because your body's, you know, ability to actually flush out the and remove your estrogen that you have on a daily basis. You know, we all have hormones and we need a little bit of it. But if we're not if we're if our priority becomes detoxing alcohol. We're not going to flush out all the hormones and we see a lot of estrogen dominance on top of, you know, we all know when your estrogen's higher, your gut can get leakier. You're more susceptible for SIBO and bacterial overgrowth and all sorts of stuff in your gut, um, which sort of like the estrogen will stick around in your gut when when you have these underlying infections. But alcohol is going to cause you to have a leaky gut, hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, and the alcohol itself, of
1: course, is just going to tear up the gut. And, you know, it's it's pretty harmful to the body. And I know this isn't a perfect comparison, but, you know, for people to kind of get the point, just think about what would happen if you have like an open scab or something, you take some grain alcohol and splash it on. You're going to prefer that it wasn't on there. Let's put it that way, right? It's going to sting like hell. It's not going to feel good. And think about it. You can kill stuff with it, right? That's why um, they in use the it. Movies where they dump it
0: on the wounds. And yeah,
1: yeah. Like, you literally have things like rubbing alcohol. Again, not perfect comparisons. But uh, this is not a particularly safe substance. It just so happens that it provides human beings with effects. Um, well, other animals as well. But human beings with effects that we say, oh, this feels good. And we're going to go put it in a gas station. And in many states, in my state, you can't do that. But in many states, you can go buy this. Uh, I always love the South because I can go to a gas station, get vodka and fireworks all in the same place, which in Pennsylvania, that's a foreign concept. You cannot do all three of those in the same place. Uh, South Carolina, for example, they're a little different. So we have this, the gut damaging side, huge thing there. Um, the estrogen dominance i'd love to touch more even on the sleep because i do know that yeah when you drink alcohol it perceives it as a stress and so you're actually spiking that cortisol and any good fdn or functional health practitioner uh, if you've been through the course especially you would know well, that cortisol is supposed to be low at night and the melatonin is supposed to be high. Now, most of us are not drinking in the morning. And I don't mean this in a funny way. Obviously, if you are, that's a huge indication of a problem. Um, But most of us are actually cultured to drink it at night. This is something that you have with dinner. um, And in a certain sense, that's like the worst time that you could do it because now your body has this unnatural cortisol spike. And then we all wonder why we feel like crap the next day. Uh, Obviously, some of it is detoxing this poison out of our body. But I think a very practical side is well how do any of us feel if we only got you know four hours of sleep we feel terrible so we might have been you know eyes closed for eight hours but if our body only really got four hours of sleep of course we feel terrible so do you have anything to add in terms of like i only know the cortisol spike part what else does it do to our sleep because i think it can affect rem and stuff too
0: yeah so yeah i mean if you look up your eight year hrv and stuff you'll see like it's totally off your blood sugar will be and your insulin levels and all of that. I mean, it can definitely put you into like a diabetic state, um, or like that pre-diabetic state where your body feels like you're, cause your blood sugar has just been so, um, just basically from drinking all that alcohol. But I always recommend like, if you're going to drink, you know, always eat something with it. You can even do the activated charcoal, which helps absorb some of the toxins and some with alcohol. So you're not going to get like such a, uh, intense overload on the system. So, so what people, I always tell them when they're kind of questioning alcohol and if it correlates with their sleep is, are you waking up at like 4.30, I mean, one thirty or 2 every time you drink? So as an fdn you should know, like we always recommend to try to get, to for your body to repair, muscle repair, detoxify, go through all the drainage pathways, your liver, kidneys and everything, get you ready for the next day you want to try to sleep between 10 and seven. Right. But about one 30 or two is when your liver starts to do what do its job. And that it basically is like, what the F have you done? You wake up because it's trying to process all the alcohol that you had and it, and it doesn't know what to do because if you think about what we're exposed to on a daily basis, I mean, I can't get away from toxins. Nobody can. Like, I'll go wash my car in the car wash, and I'll be inhaling the fumes from that. You know, we're surrounded by them. Um, We can do our best, but we have all these hormone disruptors, all these toxins that we deal with to try to, like, flush out on a daily basis. And just our everyday hormones and, um, you know, the bile and our, I mean, all the things that we're trying to process on a daily basis. We're not able to do that. So everything becomes super congested. So your body, yeah, I mean, your body is not able to, it's always going to choose alcohol. Yeah. Studies studies have shown.
1: In terms of then, and I know, listen, guys, we're not doctors here saying this stuff. We're people that have experienced certain things. We research ourselves and we're trying to, you know, create a positive discussion where you can walk away with some action steps. You know, in terms of though. What is actually appropriate? Because I think in a perfect world, none of us would drink alcohol at all. There's been a lot of stuff in the media over the last 10 years that says, like, oh, the one drink a night, you know, could actually help you. When you guys actually look into the studies and what's being shared, uh, if that's even remotely true, which I, I don't think it is, you can actually see that some of the benefits, because a lot of it, a lot of the times it gets – um centered around wine, right? They're not saying go drink scotch every night. It's like, oh, well, if you drink wine every night, that could be good. Most of the benefits are coming from the resveratrol. So I promise you guys, we can go get that without having to drink the wine. But there's also a fine line for people that are um, not like us. Let's just call it what it is. There's people that can handle things and balance things uh, much better than other people. So have you seen anything uh, research-wise as to what might be almost, I I won't say appropriate, but it's kind of like, negligible in terms of the effects because I've heard stuff not to scare people, but like as little as once a week. Yeah. yeah. A I, um,
0: I had the exact number. I don't, I'm trying to see if I even have it. I have like so much information on this right now, but it's, it's literally like one, one drink, maybe two, like max a week. Um, Men get a little bit more leeway because they're bigger, but also it says that it's better to not try to pack your drinks in and have like a big, like binge of a weekend and then be sober the rest of the month. That's like way worse than just having like the one drink a week. Hmm. Um, Cause it's such an overload on the system.
1: It makes sense. And then uh, right. it's actually more insane what the human body can handle when you think about it, because knowing what we know now and, and thinking about, yeah, one binge, uh, one binge a month is like terrible. Again, we have 18 year olds, 18 year olds, brains not even fully developed for the other six to seven years most likely. Binging two to three times a week, sometimes for several years. It's more amazing what we can come out with and be like, yeah, like no, I'm a little stupider than I was when I first started this college thing. But I'm alive. I'm here. Um, so there is a fine line. There's stressors in all areas of our lives, and and I've personally learned um, life is a balance of those stressors. I think when most of us get into the functional medicine medicine thing, we can get uh, nearly neurotic about oh, fixing this, fixing that, fixing this. Really, it's the game of balance. We're all gonna die one day. It's picking the things that are worth, uh, you know, getting some stress over. For some of our audience members, maybe you can control yourself and have, you know, one to two drinks uh, on a weekend, and that's fine for you. You like doing it at dinner with your significant other.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing: if they're coming in and they're trying to work with us, and they're talking about being bloated and their hormones are whack and all the things, that's not that's an easy fix.
1: It's a good point. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, just try not drinking the alcohol and see what happens, because a lot of times, like. I know when I relapsed on alcohol, I learned a lot about what it does. Like I literally have never had anxiety in my life. I woke up every single night with like panic attacks. Hmm. Um, my PCOS flared up. My estrogen was out the roof. I, I, I mean, it was like it was it was exactly by the book. Okay. So whatever that practitioner tells you about like if you have PCOS or Hashimoto's and like I mean all of it, it's like to the T, but most women that we see, if they're coming to us, they're bloated, they aren't sleeping right. They're constipated, you know, it'll impact your thyroid and like your T3 and T4 and all the function of that will be impacted big time. Um, by, you know, it, it cause it, it impairs the function of your adrenal. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy. So then you're going to start getting constipated, you know, cause you're not able to, your thyroid's not functioning well. I mean, yeah. it's all, that's an easy fix like i would say start that
1: you you know what it it almost seems like a random thing to throw in but this just triggered this for me for some reason i i had to say this today on the show because most people we would know this most people don't know too alcohol addiction well rather the withdrawal that comes from it is one of the only drugs that can kill you from the withdrawal alone and people say oh no no no, that's not true opiates can do that no they can't opiates can cause seizures Opiate withdrawal, that is. They can cause seizures. That can kill you. And there's a few other things that can kill you. But it's not direct. And so I know that almost seems like You know, splitting hairs to some people because they're like, well, it still can make the person pass away, but it's not a direct thing. So, alcohol withdrawal can do that. And it's because it acts on uh, GABA just in the same way that benzodiazepines do. So, benzodiazepines are the other category that you can actually die from in the withdrawal alone. And if you're like, well, I've never done a benzodiazepine, well, that's your Xanax, that's your uh, Valium, that's your Ativan. that's your Clonopin. So, if you've ever done any of those things, and you got addicted to it or were having withdrawal symptoms, that stuff done long enough can actually kill you. So again, I don't mean to insert that almost randomly, but something reminded me that I wanted to say that today, because if that doesn't show people how serious of a drug this is, there's only two things that we know of right now. Benzodiazepines, which is a class and then alcohol that the withdrawal alone can kill someone. If that doesn't show you how serious it is, I don't know what can.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like I remember in rehab when I went back in the day like i didn't have to go through detox because alcohol and like heroin none of the like none of those drugs were my drug of choice but everyone else like i remember insurance wise like the it's like if you were an alcoholic and that was on your insurance it was way worse than being like a meth addict because you have to pay for the detox (laughs) yeah wow so but yeah it's it's crazy
1: you had mentioned the anxiety side of this i think that's a really good point too because i had um well, I'll definitely keep this private, but I've had some clients that are my age and you know they started out in the college thing, drinking was fine. At least they thought it was consciously like, hey, I feel good the next day. I barely get a headache and I can go out and do it Saturday too. Great. And then the point comes where they're like, well, I did that same binge drinking thing that I've done for actually a couple of years. But now when I wake up, they have anxiety sometimes for the first time in their life. They're like, I get that now. I have that chest uh, tightness and pain. I'm breathing super fast. My heart rate's elevated. Um, and I, I, I'm not an expert in this one. I know one of the reasons that you can almost have this anxiety rebound, uh, partially it's because alcohol it moves very quickly through your body. So you you can actually be having a temporary withdrawal, minor withdrawal from it. And I know the blood sugar thing affects it as well. Um, are you aware of any other reason that the anxiety gets Well, caused? I think
0: it, it plays a major role. Like, so if you have leaky gut, we know that can also cause a lot of anxiety. Um, but I know like it definitely has an impact on your serotonin. Okay. And how your serotonin production is, is managed. Um, and that I think you have a decrease in it or there becomes an imbalance when you have excessive... Or just some alcohol, it will definitely. Which then, if your serotonin, you know, uh, receptors are not working well, then that's when you start to develop a lot of anxiety, you know. And I see a lot of uh, really low, like dopamine, and so then I have a lot of clients that are getting that like brain fog that's like super severe from from alcohol. So their dopamine gets lower, um, and those neurotransmitters, are just a, it, there's a depletion of it. You know, when you think about your nutrients, too, if you're drinking a ton, your body's ability to absorb nutrients goes down big time and you become deficient there. So you're not absorbing all the stuff you should from your food. That's going to, you know, help your body you know, yeah. process all this stuff.
1: Well, and Sam, I should have known better that you and I could effortlessly talk for thirty minutes. Um, I want to make sure that we're we're getting to some of the solutions for this stuff. We had sixty four people live with us today, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, Sam, let's talk about solutions for two things, and then however long this tape takes, we'll wrap up after that. I want to talk about solutions for the physical side, actually healing the body after you, you might have done years of damage with this stuff. Um, and then I'd love to discuss the social healing, and what I mean by that is finding things in our lives. Um, that are really enjoyable. And, and this can be applied to alcohol. It can be applied to any substance or drug, really. Um, because I think you and I are still two very damn fun people. I, I'm the life of the party, man. So we can talk about that after. But in terms of physical healing, you know, let's say I'm ready to make a change. I've been that person that maybe I'm not even an addict with it. I just justify five drinks on Fridays and Saturdays. And my labs are showing, damn, I'm, I'm messing stuff up. I got this estrogen dominance. My gut's a mess. How, how do we start that physical process of healing?
0: You know, obviously I would work with a, like a good practitioner that's going to be able to help you through the process. If you're going to need, I I mean, I do want to say this, even if, if you're not an addict, great. But if you are, I am a firm believer in the AA program or the 12 steps programs for NAAA or find some sort of support group to help you like for the mental, emotional part of it. Um, and then if you need like medical help withdrawing fine, but then you get your labs, you know, obviously get on a good, you gotta work on your diet. So, you know, get your diet back in line, try to avoid foods like sugar, which is gonna have the same response in your brain, that serotonin and dopamine response that you're gonna get, it's almost just as addictive as um, alcohol. So try to remove all of those sort of triggers. And I think that obviously getting on a good supplement protocol to regulate your hormones and get the basic foundational, your adrenals, your hormones, all those things in line. Start with like the foundational stuff and build your house from there then you can tackle looking for underlying gut infections. So you know your gut is super leaky, right? So you're it's more likely they're gonna pick up a bug or, you know, have a bacteria overgrowth or too much yeast. because um, all this feeds off alcohol on top of it. So definitely checking for the underlying gut infections. I will tell you, I I've healed my gut and I was literally doing GHB and ecstasy and all the drugs every single day. And GHB alone has concrete cleaner in it. Okay. And I had a compromised gut going into it you know, as a kid. So there, you remove the infections, obviously do the protocols, but then heal the gut. So at that point, you know, you got your collagen, you got your bone broth, you got tons of other supplements, you know, that are going to help, um, you know, colostrum that are going to help heal the gut, and get you to a point where you're feeling good again, so you're not dealing with the constant bloating, um, the all the inflammation that you develop from drinking. I mean, that'll go down just by stopping the alcohol right there. Uh, did that answer the question?
1: Yeah. Well, and we'll just keep adding stuff because I I don't want to overlook something that might seemingly be simple, but I would be. Definitely focused on the nutrient status for a while now listen if you have a broken gut the nutrients that you're consuming they might not get processed correctly so we need to do all this simultaneously but um, we can't underestimate you know a good high quality not you know from your local supermarket but a good high quality multivitamin or if you are fortunate enough to be able to afford it um, even some regular infusions of like IV infusions of nutrients well, or your b
0: vitamins like tank they're
1: gonna be you're totally yes. depleted
0: when you drink yeah yeah and Yep. and it can cause like calcium issues and your it's like it's it literally depletes your nutrients but definitely the b the b12 the b6 um you you really yeah IV drips for that would be great they say that nad drips are really good for people who are um struggling with addiction they can help in in a variety of ways you know i think that that's super important. I put some of my clients who just come off drinking on prenatals.
1: Oh, cool, cool, nice.
0: They're just so, you know. Yeah, I we had
1: a. Oh, actually, I missed Joy here. So Joy had said my partner does not eat, uh, does not eat, and the only sugar she gets is from the alcohol. It's sad to watch the eating disorder and the level of drunk. Um, she gets she starts drinking at three thirty to ten p.m. Um, Jack and Coke. I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, hopefully, maybe even a chat like this can well. It's never that simple usually, but if you expose them to chats like this, sometimes people get that little spark. So um, I'm sorry. You're welcome
0: you- to send me a message on Instagram, and I can talk to you more about that. Uh, Thanks, Sam. Um,
1: definitely, definitely take that up. Take that up. Uh, Bridget said she's loving this chat. Joe said, do you find it's harder? And I think this could actually lead into the social healing of this, uh, pretty well, this
0: is perfect. I'm glad he asked this.
1: Yeah. Do you find it's harder to convince men to remove alcohol or the mama wine drinkers? What a question.
0: <laughs> so it's funny. A lot of the guys I get are hardcore entrepreneur, like seven figure guys. Like those are my clients that mm-hmm. I get. So they're already on the, like, they are like biohacker one optimized kind of client. Um, I have a couple that it's hard, but here is what I was just talking to someone about this and they we're saying well you are talking about the mommy wine culture and how about the beer culture and i'm like like the beer dad culture and i'm like oh my god i didn't even think about that but like how many like football games you go to where they're tailgating and there's like a sober guy there? like it, it's probably pretty hard and you know guys will tear you up um and and do you know fluff their feathers no offense <laughs> or anything <laughs> no i mean i probably would do that to someone too but um back in the day but it's a it's a serious thing i have not personally i just don't work with a lot of guys who are like in that boat i probably had a couple and they they're willing to give it up um and i also the guys a lot of guys i work with are in the in aa already potentially so they're they're on that like okay i want to get off sugar like that's their thing um but i do see a lot of disorder eating with men um (laughs) A lot. It's a lot of the binge eating and inability to, like, just stop eating. A lot of weird things associated with food. I almost see more men with that than the alcohol and more women with the alcohol. Because, like, they won't eat all day because they know they're going to be drinking. And so that's a whole.
1: Yeah. I think, and this is a, a gross oversimplification on my end, but I, I, as a man who's talked to many men, I think um, when we have problems, they're really bad. Uh, But the good news is when we make that decision to change something, that doesn't mean it's not going to be a bumpy road. I have a million things with this conversation alone that I still need to work on. However, when we make that decision, it usually comes from like we're stubborn as hell until we make it. Then it comes from such a powerful place normally that, you know, we'll keep fighting and keep trying different things until we can find something that works. And that kind of leads me to um, the social healing side, because this and for many people, the people that watch our stuff, they love eating well and taking the supplements. They'll try that all day. The social side, you can't go change other people. I can change my diet, but I can't go change my family parties and stuff like that. And so I'll, I'll speak on this first in the sense that I realized I am not a bad person for loving the highs of life and the fun things. I needed to translate it into positive, good highs. And so something really, uh, simple in a sense, but it can be a fun high was I set a goal at 18. I want to hit the highest point in every state before I check out of here. Now that sounds very simple. If you're on the East coast, when you start going out West, you realize you got to really figure this out to go do some of that stuff. There's a lot of adrenaline involved in some of those things. So I need stuff like that. Um, I just started last month pursuing my pilot's license. I, you know, I, I nailed the public speaking thing. I went from being super afraid of that to turning it into a career. So I realized, and then not to mention, Sam, you know this all too well. This is such a good personality when it comes to entrepreneurship. It's like, how many entrepreneurs do you know have had these struggles with substance abuse or addiction? It's like way overrepresented. And so you need to learn to channel um, what actually can be looked at in certain ways as a gift in your personality. But if you get it on the wrong thing, you're screwed. So if you move it to the right thing, it's really good. So I go do what Evan Transu wants to do so long as it doesn't hurt someone else. All those little interests, all those little passions, all those stupid advertisements you get on YouTube and you wish, oh, I could go do that. I just go do it. I'm like, I'm going to go live my life that way. So how have you navigated the social side of this?
0: Oh, boy. So, I mean, so here's the deal. I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm in I'm in the program. So, like, I, there's, I listen to my sponsor. Like, I'm very, like, I know my best decision is my worst a lot of the times. And I know, so at the end of the day, I do an inventory and every morning I wake up and I think about, I pray, I say the serenity prayer and I say what I'm grateful for. I mean, if you just start doing little things like that, it's going to change the way you look at everything. And I think for me, it was like, I didn't want to, I mean, the amount of hours I was losing in a day due to drinking was like manifesting, and then the brain fog, and I couldn't like perform at the level that I wanted to. So it just depends on like the level that everybody's at. But I think that that for me, it is important to have a tribe, have a community, have a support group. Don't you know? Try to work on getting co- toxic people out of your life. You know that are going to trigger anything. That was huge for me. I I I only allow people that are going to lift me up into my life at this point. And setting those boundaries was one of the hardest things that I had to do. And it's, it's changed my life a hundred percent. You know, I think that doing service work. So we are, I am, you know, ego driven. I'm, it's hard to be hum, humble, you know, and, and do all those things, but I have to have something that's going to keep me grounded. And when I do service work, so what I mean by that is like, for me, I go and I chair AA meetings in the prison here. I also work with a nonprofit, I am I might actually work for them, but a nonprofit that helps women who got out of prison do re-entry. And so they have sober livings, like, like this, like I don't have my son Christmas Eve. And instead of being like, oh, I wanna drink, I think to myself, okay, what can I do that's gonna help others? So I'm gonna to go tr- chair meeting if I can. They allow me in at a sober living. It's one hour of my day and and just imagine what the impact that will have, like just in every aspect of your life, like it just brings so much joy. Even if you don't want to do it, I promise you're going to feel good afterwards. And then you're also setting example like generational changes, I think is always really important for me, you know, leaving the legacy that you want. So think about what you want. Do you want people to remember you as a drunk? Or do you want people to remember you leaving like a really good legacy that you were like, you, yeah. Yeah. I went to prison. I did all the shit. I was a total drug addict. I sold drugs. I was a bad person, but what I'm doing with it now matters. And just because your story wasn't like mine, it doesn't mean that you can't change the script. Yeah. You know, your kid doesn't have to see you with a, with a drink in your hand for the rest of your life. Imagine that. Like, you know, if it's a problem, yeah you know, if, if you're, I mean, probably if you chimed in when you saw a real impact of alcohol, you, there might be like something going on. It doesn't mean you're an addict. There's something called gray area drinking too now. So okay, um, yeah, I don't know.
1: I love what you said about the generational thing because I use that, it, and it's with very silly stuff. But because it's only a few times a year, but I use that as a motivation for the rest of the year. So long story short, what happened is. I we have these family parties obviously multiple times a year. I'm the oldest cousin out of everyone on my dad's side, and so I'm the jungle gym. I'm the fun one. You know, we got a sixteen-year-old cousin.
0: Like, right,
1: right. We, oh, we got a sixteen-year-old cousin. Sixteen-year-old cousin now that's looking to me up, uh, looking up to me for a different reason than the ten-year-old might. Right, and so. One year, and, and there was nothing inherently bad about this. It was bad for me. And that's how you can make these decisions sometimes. I was 22. I'm drinking at the family party. I got too drunk. Again, no, there's no driving or aggressiveness. It's just silly and stupid. But I knew the next day, all my cousins who look up to me and are looking for an example of what you know they're going to do relatively soon in their life, because they'll be this age in several years, or some of them 10. They just saw, oh, it's totally appropriate to act like an asshole and be stupid at the family party. Because yes, my family members drink, but at the very least, they don't do what I was doing. They weren't being so ridiculous with it. And so I just decided I am never, even if I have a personal choice to do certain things in my life at certain times, I am never going to be in front of them again, doing this type of stuff. And so at 28 years old, I still go to the Christmas Eve party or the Thanksgiving and I'm playing with the damn kids. I'm still the jungle gym for some of them. Um, And we have fun with that. And I I think when this is a really big thing for substance abuse addiction, if we start thinking outside of ourselves, and this probably could help all humans anyway, we're able to overcome so much. We're not as selfish as we think we are. And I I know you brought up the ego thing. I, I would certain people in my life would say you know i could use a little more humility myself but there's this other side of us right that if we actually focus on giving to others or serving for others okay. there is a, a satisfaction i don't mean it as a cliche there is a satisfaction and happiness with that that i've never been able to find from any drug that i've ever taken and
0: i've explored a few <laughs> yeah oh my god that's crazy it, you just made me realize it's like so i i feel like so i have my higher power right mm-hmm. So it's like, you just said that about your family and you were like, they're looking up to you. So when I first got out of prison, I was a trainer and a majority of my clients were high school girls. And I like sort of became their mentor. And now looking back, like, cause I was an example, like everything. They, they knew my story. Eventually like I was a role model, a mentor. I was not just their trainer. I go to their weddings. They're having babies. Now I still talk to them, but it's amazing now. It's like when I lost that is when I felt like the disease of addiction started coming back. Hmm. So when I stopped doing that service and being that, that role model to them and just like, I was in like a fertility treatment and trying to get pregnant. Like I just like, I didn't have a lot of them as clients is when the thoughts of drinking came back. Yeah. And it's funny. It will sneak back into your life and, and it's cunning and baffling all the things that they say, but it's, it's interesting that you you do when you're sober, you're able to recognize like what the universe is telling you. And, you know, there's an emotional component to all things health. Like we can run all the labs in the world and we can do all these things, but if you're not well, like mentally, and you're not, your moral compass is just lost and you're emotionally bankrupt, then it's, you're, it's going to drive you to drink. So you, you gotta, it's just, you gotta do it all. But once you get it, I mean, it's work, for sure. Yeah, it's worth it. Want to do,
1: but <laughs> definitely worth it. Um one more comment here. Well, had said thank you and Madeline said this episode is fire. Definitely drank way too much in college and my labs reflected the damage for sure. Yeah. Um that's what happens and and thank God the body has this innate healing ability. i have to say you know,
0: don't worry, you can fix
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, you can be down uh, pretty far down and and figure this stuff out. Uh Sam, excellent episode as always. This is like literally my favorite one that we've done out of the three that we've done yeah, so right? far. Um, and our audience here, I think proves that because we've had like 50 plus sitting on the whole time. So thank you for, uh, just bringing this information mixed with the real story. I think that's why people connect to this. Cause we're just like, Hey, here's all this stuff in the midst of the science stuff that you can do too. Because oh, it's science is
0: insane. Like I just was yeah. telling him, I'm like, are we, how deep are we going? Cause I've been like really <laughs> researching this cause there's not a lot. So you gotta like find it. And it's like, Oh my God. I was like, Oh yeah. But I need to start with the basics, you know? And it's like there are there's a few of us so i'm kind of niching down into this like functional sobriety kind of thing and so there are a few of us out there doing this um but there's a lot of like really great so now i'm starting to get like this toolbox of like sober coaches to couple along with like the work that i do in order to like really because it's bad women it's struggling i and and you guys can make an impact you can I know for me, we have like all these mom groups where they have all these events for us and it's great. I love it. Like, I love that there's stuff for us to do, but they never touch base on like alternatives or mocktails. And like, you should be like, hey, you should just post about mocktails. Or how about you talk about like, or just start having like posting, be like, hey, you can, you know, we have mocktails at this party, et cetera, whatever, you know, and you can make an impact. And that's service work. You can get a hold of these little mom groups and these online Instagram moms and all that stuff and have them talk about it. Be like, hey, can you do a reel about drinking? Yeah. Just ask them, you know? Yeah. And that's just like one more thing that you can do to make it okay. Um, and, you know, who cares what other people want to say? I was going to cuss. I see, I'm doing it. You did no good. Nothing. Yeah, you did no good. No
1: Not one time. I get um, angry
0: sometimes about this topic, too. So. <laughs>
1: All right, well we have we've had it on the screen for a while. Instagram.com slash C fit living. So if you're on audio that's S E E Fit Living, uh, where else can they find you, my friend?
0: Um on Facebook it's Samantha Lander or C Fit or www.cfitpt.com. But really I'm all over Instagram trying to like connect with people. I'm happy to talk with anyone about anything, really, it seems like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Sam's fun yeah, to kick it with. Like, just just shoot her a message. She's cool yeah. as crap. It's like, and, and what you, you see is what you get.
0: Yeah, DM me. I mean, that's service work for me. Helping other people who are struggling is literally what keeps me sober.
1: Yeah, so. awesome. Thank you so much for another great episode, my friend. Yeah, thanks
0: for having me.